So how do we address the question of whether self-interest is part of human nature or just a reflection of one of the ways we have evolved or learned or found it necessary to behave during the course of human history? Let me start by saying that I'm not sure that I think that there is such a thing as human nature any more than there is the nature of anything else. But inasmuch as the term gets used and banded around all the time, we might as well consider it. My self-interest can be construed in several ways. For example, I could consider it to be in my self-interest to be altruistic because by being altruistic, by caring for others, by engaging in programs of mutual aid, to use Kropotkin's term, I find myself, I suppose, better in my own eyes. In other words, my self-image, how I feel, how I feel about existence, how I feel about myself insofar as I'm in touch with it, improves in direct proportion to the extent to which I feel that I am engaging with others and being of use to others. So self-interest isn't necessarily antithetical to mutual aid or other interests beyond my own. It very much depends upon what I think is in my self-interest. And of course, lots of arguments have been used to the effect that there isn't any such thing as real altruism, because if we are altruistic, we are only really doing it for our own self-interested reasons. But I don't think that those arguments really deserve very serious consideration, because if the effect of that is that we live together in harmony, and in mutual aid, it really doesn't matter to me what label you give it. But let's consider the negative side. Let's suppose that I accept that there is a human position, a human self-awareness, a, a disposition towards oneself in which I feel in some measure or other a failure, uh, loathsome, unpleasant, useless, that I am not a suitable person to enjoy the company of others, that I am universally disliked, and therefore that I am, to all intents and purposes, justified in feeling something as strong as self-disgust or even stronger self-loathing. Suppose I do and accept both those possibilities. Well, the first thing to say about something as strong as self-disgust or self-loathing is that they are very difficult to escape because, of course, we carry around our feelings about ourselves all the time. So I can't really ignore my self-loathing what I have to do instead is somehow to mask it, hide it, or perhaps most significantly redirect it. And if I can redirect it at someone else, so that because of some feeling towards them or some action that I do or commit to perform against them, 
I somehow lose sight of how loathsome I feel, then I may be inclined to such actions, even though they are not in the interests of others, because they serve that re really rather negative self-interested purpose of hiding from me just how loathsome I think I am. <clears throat> now quite a lot of people will say that there are no such feelings of self-loathing but I'm sure that there are and I'm sure that all of us at some stage in our lives feel perhaps as a result of a disappointment or a setback or a failure to achieve something we've tried to achieve or because we say or do something that provokes some disapproval from others, perhaps even hatred from others, that resonates with our own disgust at ourselves, we can all be found in positions where we don't like ourselves very much, going on towards being positions of self-loathing. And having mentioned resonance, I should repeat the idea. If I have a predisposition to be very self-critical, and a lot of us do, and somebody else says something that resonates with the way I criticize myself, in other words, if they manage to find my Achilles heel, the sweet spot where their words are amplified by my own disgust at myself, then I will find their words, perhaps even their actions, unimaginably destructive. They will make me feel much worse about myself. And in those circumstances, I have a choice. I can either accept the way I feel about myself and perhaps even pursue it, or I can and make it worse in that case, or I can try to deflect or get rid of the way I feel and project it outwards to other people, perhaps in a destructive manner, perhaps trying to destroy the person who's criticizing me. Someone who criticizes me in a way that doesn't resonate in that way, you know, let me take an example. Suppose someone says, you're a hopeless long distance runner when I've never had any ambitions to be a long-distance runner, that doesn't cut any ice at all. It doesn't even touch the sides. It doesn't impinge. So there are things that can be leveled at us that don't have that capacity. Now, I guess it's worth saying, indeed it's more than worth saying, it's in essential to say that if this analysis has even a shred of accuracy about it, a shred of truth in it, and that the way we feel is made worse the more accurately someone else identifies our shortcomings and our loathing of ourselves is made all the more intense by that very thing and perhaps therefore provokes yet more obvious attempts to deflect it 
or push it outside ourselves or aim it at someone else to get rid of it so that it is hidden from us, then the best strategy, if we identify somebody who appears to be behaving in a way that acts out this kind of self-loathing in a destructive manner, is not to hurl abuse at them. Because if we hurl abuse at them, particularly if it's well-chosen abuse that is designed to find their sweet spot, their vulnerability, and to home in on and amplify their feelings of dislike for themselves, or their doubts about themselves, or their senses of their own inadequacy. If we are particularly skilled in that capacity, and quite a lot of us are, then the most likely outcome is that we will make the person's behaviour worse, not better. And so you find that there is a paradox, that the more despicable someone's behaviour is, the more we identify that despicable behaviour as indicative of, symptomatic of, a defect in their character perhaps some damage that's been done to them at some stage, as we've been saying earlier. And the more accurately we identify that, diagnose it, and then use it as the design, the blueprint for our criticism of them and our abuse of them, the worse their behaviour is likely to get. And of course, it's really easy to say that people need loving, not hating that people need being made to feel better about themselves rather than worse. But each of us, of course, is also a part of this nexus and a part of this network. Part of what we are doing when we hurl abuse at other people is to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And somehow that seems to work better for a great many of us, perhaps even most of us, when we are being negative than when we are being positive. When we criticise, particularly when we wound or hurt or humiliate others, we, some of us, some of the time, and maybe most of us some of the time, feel somehow better, as though we've achieved something. But maybe we haven't. Maybe all we've succeeded in doing is making things worse. And none of us likes to feel bad about ourselves. None of us likes to feel that we don't deserve a place in the human species or on this planet. None of us likes to feel that we are a burden on society or someone who is so damaged that it would be better if we weren't even alive. Nobody likes to feel that. And of course, anybody who really does feel that can very easily find themselves in a position when they become a suicide risk. Because if you can't get rid of your self-loathing by any means at all, and all you see when you look at yourself is failure, misery, destruction, and someone who shouldn't really be alive, all of that needs to be taken into consideration in the way we respond to other people's behaviour. It's much harder to love your enemy than it is to abuse them. But we all know that loving our enemies in the end is more likely to have a beneficial effect than amplifying their dislike of themselves.